If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be a hidden grotto of nature's secrets, and here's why. In this episode, we find answers to what makes Furbolg distinct, and why are they so dang delightful? And how do they build their nature-based communities in a way that discourages aggression while delivering a mighty defense? And what are the real-world origins of these gentle giants? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. So as soon as I saw Furbolgs in that book, the little... The picture of the hunched over giant with a little smile on his face and he's got like birds on his shoulder. I knew I had to play one at some point. Got like five characters built that I want to run my own all furball game for myself. Because that creature is you <laughs> incarnate. Like it's not much of a stretch, really. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Uh, that's not the compliment you think it is. Oh, it is. And I will rest on that laurel forever. So if that's me, Travis, that makes you... I'm, well, a, a troll. That's a rogue also? A rogue yeah, troll. rogue troll. Nice. They're <laughs> constantly regenerating, always spiteful. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Regenerative yet spiteful. <laughs> How delightful. Going back to Furbolgs, I think one of the reasons I like them so much is because some of my favorite characters from movies aren't Furbolgs, but they resemble furbolg traits like they're they have the core of a furbolg the heart of a furbolg what movies have you been watching with furbolgs in them well you got iron giant who's like super peaceful okay that's a bit of a stretch loves he loves animals he specifically like focuses in on little forest creatures okay all right he's like i want peace yeah i think sully from monsters inc is kind of a furbolg (laughs) in that he's big (laughs) and furry a big lovable furry guy that okay, has yeah. a soft spot for the little girl okay all right and uh what about ace ventura <laughs> see a furbolg <laughs> at heart uh well this is where the line gets really blurry for me yeah because furbolgs i need more to go on with furbolg because essentially they are druid but in not class form but in race form. Right. Like they're so just, like, if you play a furbolg druid, you're playing a druid, it almost feels like... Double druid. Yeah, yeah. I'm just doubling down on the nature theme. What do I get beyond that when I pair these together? And that's the problem that I always encounter with this particular race is how do I role play something like that beyond I like animals and I'm really soft-spoken and kind of gentle right? until you piss me off and then I fight like a demon. Like, that's... I don't know. It's just there's got to be something more there. And for me, I want to be able to like talk about my clan and where they come from and what life is like. And I don't have a lot to go on. Yeah, we want to step beyond the basics of those tropes. I certainly don't want to play a furbolg and just become the hippie of the group or like the shaggy that just makes one liners about being stoned. Yeah, <laughs> which is you know, you're beelined. As soon as you choose <laughs> Furbolg Druid, that's that's what you're going to be. I'm <laughs> right. sorry to say. You've got yeah. one option, and it's always stoned. 
And even when you look at the D&D lore, if you want to lean into that, I mean, there is some lore there. Some of it's kind of neat. But to me, it all boils down to selfless. Like, they're extremely selfless. They view greed as bad. Okay. So, anti-rogue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. They really are opposites. And then you've got forest dwellers. They just come out of the forest one day. Yeah. Clean and new. <laughs> and then... It's aside from adventuring with the party, I assume that they're constantly wanting to get back to forest because they don't like being in cities. Who does? And all of the adventures that the adventurers are on, they really don't kind of want to be there. They just want to go back to the forest. All of these things don't really line up super well for me to be adventuring and more than just kind of a one note kind of character that's what we need to figure out today how do we build them into something that is really unique super role playable different than druids yeah they feel distinct well let's uh, use our culture creator in the kinship camp and see what we can come up with let's do this is kinship camp where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire Every now and then, let us answer the forest's call to come see life's beauty and the miracle of it all. If we listen with our hearts as we walk among trees, we may understand the message carried. All right, shut up, hippie. <laughs> I've already given you way too much leeway here. <laughs> Wait, you don't like nature poetry? So in order to actually do this, we're going to need to use the culture creator that we have available on our website. You can download it. You can do all of this for yourself. The core of it is in order to build a cool character with something to pull from, from like a culture to pull from, and defining what your character, how your character is different than their culture, why they're an adventure, all of these other things, you kind of have to define their values. And everything that we keep blabbering on about it is all about values. Yeah. In order to build a really rich and deep culture, we need to know what their values are and what they're willing to sacrifice, what other cultural values they're willing to sacrifice to have those values. Because it's a lot like a character. Like, you can't have strengths without flaws. That's right. not a well-rounded character. Right. So we already made up cultural values for our Furbolg culture yeah kind of based on some of the lore based on what we see a, a forest dwelling culture is you know some things that would be fun to role play stuff like they value intuition or their intuition at the cost of grounded realism right like a furbolg might come up and say you can really absorb your day in a morning bead of dew ripe with the taste of moon glow <laughs> i hated every bit of that <laughs> Why, Travis? Open your heart. Oh, it's so uh, floofy. <laughs> Art at the cost of discipline. Some of these are coming from our old episode, which is about giant culture. So, like, we're tweaking the giants' values because they they do come from giants. Yeah, they're an offshoot. So, yeah. what made them different than the giants in the first place? Right. Why did they offshoot in the first place? And all giants we at least created had the value of art, which I really like because that can vary so much within these different cultures. I think they would also value equality at the cost of power. 
they've given up the kind of hierarchical status that most other civilized cultures would value. You yeah. Know, they're not screwing each other over to gain more power. They are very benevolent. They're very sharing. They're very giving. And they're very equal. They might think wisdom is found in those that you least expect. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Reflection. At the cost of tradition. They're not always doing the same things out of traditional right. kind of... They're reflecting. They're refining. They're thinking. They're changing the way that they all behave as one big group or one big community, which I think is a really cool idea. Me too. And this one comes from the concept that, you know, they branched off from that super traditional giant culture. So that was the beginning of this value, saying like, we got to change. And I really like that because you and I, Travis, have always kind of been like, kind of against the traditions of our <laughs> culture. <laughs> so much so. Yeah. We don't need to get deep into that. This will turn into a therapy session if we do. <laughs> so, how about if they say, the hands of greed turn a hearty tradition into a hateful fire. Ooh. It's kind of like why they don't value traditions. Because if, if you just value the tradition and not what's behind it, it goes real bad real fast. Right. Peace at the cost of reputation. Turn the other cheek kind of behavior. I would rather not fight. If yeah. it means that, you know, you can call me whatever you want. I don't have an ego about it. Yeah, you can slag me as I turn my back and walk away from your stupid fight. This is petty. This is dumb. Yeah. I don't need it. I'm better than this. A single step to the side is as good against a sword as the stoutest shield and the strongest arm. See, that's really good. I love that because it's just so... It's passive, but it's still strong. Yeah. It's like, you're dumber for fighting, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit of roguishness in there, Travis. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why <laughs> I like that one. And then community at the cost of progress. And I used a little bit of Yoda for this one. One brings peace to the family. The family brings peace to the community. And the community brings peace to the one. <laughs> it's a circle. It's yeah. a cyclical thing. That's cool. That also leans towards perhaps why they are part of an adventuring party. You know, bringing them out of the woods, bringing them away from their, their verbal communities is not probably not what they would typically want to do. That being said, community can be found within the party. Yeah. Which keeps the Firbolg as this like parental figure of trying to keep the rest of the party safe and teach them a better way in a really passive approach. You know, I really like this idea that they are the glue that binds the party, which is so often yeah. a very dysfunctional group of people. <laughs> You've got this Fearbolg in the middle saying, no, no, we can do this, you guys. Yeah, pulling together the uh, extreme personalities. I also like the concept of an adventurer coming from this culture because... You've got all kinds of stories that have the hero exhibiting something that goes against the values of that culture. Somebody wants to explore the world when their culture says, no, no, we've got everything we need here. Right. So if you tweak one of those values, like if you as an adventurer do value reputation and your whole culture is against it, then you're going to go off looking for something. Right. So let's get into some of the cultural details and what some of those values allow us to spin off and spin up into something grander that we can use for role play that we can call back to if we're going to play a Fearbolg, 
we want to be able to say, yeah, back home it was like this, but we need some details to flesh that out and to make it a little bit more usable. And of course, somewhere for your party to visit as well in their adventures. Oh, yes, of course. So let's start there. What does the community look like? Well, I really have this vision of rather than like walking into a village, you're walking into their territory that has mild evidence of Furbolg everywhere. Like you, you never find them, but you find all the places they are, their community spaces, their gathering centers, their little shelter that has a big table and a, a fire pit and evidence of you know them using it for different events, but there's nobody there right now. It's kind of like walking into a national park and finding like, some of those meeting spaces that you can tell somebody just used for like a wedding or a family gathering. I guess it depends on your frame of reference and where you live. This is pretty common for us here in Canada <laughs> is that we have massive national forests that just you'll be driving alongside the highway. It'll be like, here's here's a spot. There's nobody there. It's just that they keep kind of moving around. Yeah. And really like that, having all of the different community members, they know where everything is in their territory. And it's like, hey, you want to meet <laughs> meet at the Three Rocks tonight? For <laughs> <laughs> Something that we learned in Costa Rica is how they build fences. And it's really cool. And I think Furbolgs would build it like this. So they're called living fences. And it's where you just plant a bunch of trees right next to each other. And eventually they grow into fences and you can like weave them together. Right. Yes. These were just the neatest things to see because you take these really fast growing little saplings and you just keep planting one next to the other and then they're there forever. You don't have to worry about them coming out of the ground. And yeah, like you say, they just kind of weave themselves through. So you're suggesting that Fearbulgs might, you know, kind of square off their territory or their actual like village areas. Well, I see it kind of as like a, a mild form of animal husbandry where they're not, they don't have like one enclosure for their animals, mm. but they have fences built to gently corral them to create their paths through the forest, but not to like capture them. Right. So it's almost like you're giving them their migratory patterns. Yeah. Why not? Within this like massive area. And I could see that being like unique terrain features when it comes time for some combat. Right. Like you've got interesting forms of cover. And and I think it still adds to this idea that everywhere you see evidence of the Furbolg, but you never see them. Right. You know when you're in their territory, but tracking them down is a whole other game. I think that the Druidic language, Druidism is probably popular in Furbolg communities, even though the two are distinct. But I could see the Druidic language being everywhere, kind of guiding what they see as the enlightened throughout their community. So if you are a druid in that territory, you're going to be able to navigate it a lot better than your party members. Typically, this is going to be the ranger going like, I think we go this way. Right. That's exactly what the Firbolg wanted you to think. <laughs> Except the druid, actually, this says, go the other way. And they've actually hidden their, their trail or they've hidden this entrance over here. They're really hoping that hunters and all of the typical folk that might pass through this direction just like the migratory herds that they are, you know, raising and utilizing, they're herding 
typical civilized people through their territory in a very natural way where they just, you know, you follow these game trails, the game trails they made. Yeah. You're just like <laughs> following them because that's what you do. And just like any other animal, they're kind of keeping you out of the places that they don't want you to go. Totally. Like I could see those trails, like the Furbolgs create a trail right through their territory. If you want to travel through here, fine. But as soon as you exhibit wanting to go off trail, then they start paying attention to you. You're on their radar as soon as you get off of that main game trail. Well, and if we extrapolate this to all kinds of fantasy levels, we're going bigger, we're going grander. Yeah. Now we've got the idea that they have been cultivating massive trees, just like the fences. They've been cultivating massive communities that are out of sight, out of mind for most people. They've been using holes in rocks that lead through to tiny sheltered box canyons. They've got all kinds of these like little hidey hole tucked away kind of places for their fewer permanent structures. The ones that they actually, you know, somebody's at all the time. Yeah. Because you kind of need these places to meet and coalesce and congregate. Yeah, I could very easily see them building along the sides of some really deep box canyon. Why would you go there? Why would you look there? There's no reason to do that. And that's exactly what the Fearbolg want you to think. And that's why they chose that spot of all spots to make their semi-permanent structures. Right. Like, it's almost like they choose uninteresting locations to yeah. build their permanent structures in. You really got to be intentionally finding Furbolg, which if you're doing that, they know about it. Oh, yeah. You've been invited if you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> I found a couple of fun ideas that could stop trespassers that go off trail without their direct intervention. They could leave signs of deadly creatures on purpose. Like They could leave owlbear scratches and prints. Like, get back on trail. There's dangerous things here. They're turning very rapidly into the Sasquatch of the D&D &D world. Which is wonderful. <laughs> Hardly ever seen. Leaving only footprints. Yeah. Shaky 8mm film <laughs> of them is all that ever exists. Yeah, if your party gets their hands on an 8mm camera. <laughs> so one avenue that we went down was looking at different unique plants. Because I think that they would use those intentionally. Like, maybe to trap invaders, they plant large patches of something like hogweed which in real life produces phytophotodermatitis, essentially painful blisters when your skin is exposed to sunlight if you rub up against this plant. Hell no. Yeah. So let's fantasy times 10 that. You are going off trail. You're walking through this little field of hogweed and you come out the other side of this shaded patch into sun and you're just, you instantly need to go back into the shade and then you a can't progress. comes out of the treetops and kind of starts asking you questions. Now that I have you here. Yeah. <laughs> now that you're stuck in the shade. And the drow in the back of the party is just like, finally, you all know my pain. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And what a great idea for just a general kind of trap is giving anyone else in the party sunlight sensitivity. Right? Another form of corralling you where they want you. Exactly. I think that they could definitely have all kinds of artistic installations on their paths. They do value art, you know, cultivated growths of trees or bushes that resemble statues. I'm imagining like the nicest cultivated gardens that we have in the world. Right. Could be woven into their trails and paths. Here's another plant 
that kind of triggered my imagination for the four bulb. It's a manchineel. Now this very real fruit, the manchineel, contains a number of toxins and eating it can possibly kill you and most definitely blister your mouth and esophagus. I don't think it's a fruit. <laughs> it's I think it's a poison. A Travis, it's very uh, human centrist of you. Fruits don't need to taste good to be considered okay. a fruit. Okay. <laughs> and the milky sap of the tree, of the leaves and bark on this tree, contains an irritating chemical called forbol, which generates a strong allergic skin reaction. So much so that if you're standing underneath this tree and raindrops fall through it, they can burn your skin. Holy shit. So don't hang out around these trees. So again, through animal and plant husbandry, they can guide you exactly where they want you to go and keep you out of exactly where they don't want you. Sunlight sensitivity, drips that cause your skin to burn. <laughs> now, we can tweak that with some fantasy elements and they can have cultivated this same fruit to do whatever they want. I think it'd be kind of cool to have it so that there's all these trees that look the same. They have this apple-like fruit. But that one burns your esophagus, and that one heals you, and only the furbolg can really tell them apart. Ooh. Or maybe the furbolg actually digests it differently. It affects furbolgs differently. Ah. So to them, they're cooking with it, and they're juicing it, and they're consuming it. But if a human has some, if they like you, they're like, oh, no, 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 stop. <laughs> That's going <laughs> to fuck you up. <laughs> Would you like a smoothie? <laughs> I just made one fresh. Which is also an easy way to screw with your enemies. Like, <laughs> want some? And this, going back to the, the whole Fearbulg territory, you know, if we have concentric rings, if we consider those these, like, levels defense that are so passive and so peaceful, if you're in the wrong spot, you'll quickly learn to get out of that spot and go back the way you came. But you're kind of going deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is where they're employing more and more of these kinds of tricks to just gently dissuade you from continuing on your route, completely defending their settlements. You have to be pretty determined to get in there. Let's talk about their leadership, because this is an interesting one. When we talk about all of their values, how they're really peaceful, they believe in equality. So what does leadership look like? in a Fearbold community? Well, I'm certainly no expert on leadership. They're definitely a decentralized governance. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it wouldn't really make sense to have, you know, a king. Right. They're There's... not throwing, <laughs> they're not slapping gold crowns on anybody. No, not at all. They probably have the mindset of all can speak for us or none of us can. Like every member of their community is valuable. And if they can't speak for the community, nobody can. Right. And I think that this could result in some tricky situations. Like I'm seeing... If the party is on an adventure to seek out the Furbolg's magic healing, like, you know how often when a party member dies, you got to go find a high-level cleric or a druid. Right. Well, this is where they live. This is that quest. Yeah. So then it becomes really challenging to find their leader because you ask one of them, who's your leader? And they say, nobody. Okay, well, who can speak for you? I can. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what about him? He looks like he's pretty important. Yeah, he can. <laughs> Andy, what are, what are, uh, tell us what you want or get the fuck out yeah and you've also got this element of furbolgs being really in tune with nature they can literally speak to beasts they've got beast speech where they can give instructions to animals i want to see a furbolg community that's just full 
of wild animals. Like this is a druid glade times 10. Yeah. Where you just have animals that are happy staying within that community. You know, none of them are leashed and they're just there having a grand old time. <laughs> and they're also bonded together. There's a Firbolg napping with a deer. Like they're just yeah. laying around like you would your common dog in your house on your sofa. Like that's the kind of vibe that this place has. With but everything. it's every type of animal in there. What about predators? <laughs> Do they invite those into? <laughs> Why the hell not? Smorgasbord. Well, it's no, but it's beast speech. So they're like, you guys take that outside. Yeah, true. Once you're in here, Ooh. this is this is peacetime. It's like the John Wick Hotel. Yeah, safe space. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It's like, why isn't that? Why is that wolf just chilling as like five birds are on its back? <laughs> it's laying there with it's napping with the rabbits. <laughs> Love it. That's cool. And that actually kind of extends beyond wolves, though. There is a ton of creatures within the monster manual that are beasts that we can pepper in there. You yeah. know, like we've got owl bears. We've got all kinds of different monsters, like. Even stuff like a shambling mound or plants, you know, those predatory plants that are right. all over in the monster manual. What about them? Yeah. And even myconids is another culture. Right. But yeah, the shambling mounds could be really cool as a like their main symbiotic relationship. It, it could look like a Furbolg's engulfed by a shambling mound, but then it stops to <laughs> interact with you. And it's more like a, a mech suit. It's like... <laughs> I love that. You've got a Firbolg half stuck out of a shambling mound and its arms are out front and it is guiding the sh like the shambling mound and it are one and yeah. it's just moving through the woods and you're like, should I save you? <laughs> and then the shambling mound just spits him out. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, yeah, no, uh, Gary, he's fine. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? We're tight. Yeah. <laughs> me and the mound, the mound's with me. <laughs> Yeah, and that bond could be really interesting to play with. Well, and really what's stopping it from going straight up sheer cliff faces. Right. When it's got this kind of relationship with the Shambling Mound, because again, we're trying to keep people away from some of our current location if we're in a furball community. If your forest is just littered with Shambling Mounds <laughs> and it's outside the community, so, you know, it's fair game. If you encounter a hunter out there, it's, you know, kind of eat or be eaten, kill or be killed. Yeah. So, you know, no no harm, no foul. And, and they could be using those shambling mounds as like sentries and guards and, and all kinds of purposes. Love it. I want to have an NPC in the furball community now that's like a mound maker, just summons them from the earth, creates them for different purposes. Raising little baby mounds. <laughs> Sure. I, mean, I don't think mounds lay eggs or anything like that. But Like you would propagate a house plant. True. You got another little baby mound, yeah. like a little baby Groot yeah, just growing up in there. Got a whole field of Groots. <laughs> <laughs> this next idea, I think, really leans into an adventure for, you know, again, like seeking out that prize that the Furbolgs have and that you as a party selfishly want. Well, we've given the party so many reasons to avoid 
a furball community at this point. Yeah. We've got to give them a pretty good reason to seek them out now. <laughs> I think the simplest way is to just provide that. You need a level eight, level nine healing spell. Right. You don't need to give them anything. You just need to prove that you're worthy of it. That's kind of how the furbolgs view it. Boy, that will get that party there right quick. <laughs> you don't need to spend the money on a resurrection. You just need to go and find this furbolg community. They're not going to take payment, right. but you're going to struggle to get there. Right, which is already selfish because they're motivated for <laughs> right personal. <laughs> oh, I get to keep my money? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so the trial of the furbolg. I think there could be a lot of legends to begin with. Nearby communities are like, yeah, I mean, there is this fabled quest that you can go on, but only like one or two people from our entire history have actually made contact with the Furbolg. And I love that level of nuts. Like, you need to go and seek out Bigfoot's blessing. Yeah. That's the <laughs> level of Buck Wild that we're talking about I here. I love it. And to begin with, maybe you have to walk the Green Tunnel which is a real place along the Appalachian Trail. And it's got that nickname because it's so densely walled in by plant growth that that's, that's all it is. It's a green tunnel. And you walk it for miles. Yeah. And so, again, fantasy that up. For the Furbolg, it could be completely enclosed. Like, there's no ground beneath your feet. It's just winding through space. It's going up and down and twisting and turning. And You'd be so disoriented exactly, from doing that. Right? And they're able to manipulate, like they're able to make you go <laughs> climb, 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 and then go straight down for like 500 meters. It's like, are we in the ground? Are we still above ground? <laughs> Where the hell are we? <laughs> yeah. And then we throw some, you know, a couple of those little stop gaps along that Appalachian green tunnel trail. And we throw in some of the shambling mound encounters and some of the uh, plant encounters that really make that a bit of a trial. Yeah, you could kind of plan out your, your different trials, but I think a way to make it so that your party can still actually succeed with these trials is maybe there's only one chance for failure. Like whoever fails this stage of the trial kind of gets nixed from meeting the Furbolgs. Mm. But the, the rest of the party still has a chance to succeed in the next stage of the trial. Just so that you don't run into the situation of like, you're on an adventure. You failed their first trial. You're Go back home. Not yeah. on an adventure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're kind of on to something there. If the Firbolg know that somebody's attempting the trial, yeah, then they're watching. They know. And it isn't a matter of, you know, pass, fail, go back to the start, you know, go home kind of thing. It is as long as one of the players makes it all the way to the end, you know, they're all still there. But that one player has shown that the group is worthy right. or that they are worthy yeah. for making it all the way. And obviously, when that one character makes it with their party, the Furbolg are going to interact with everybody a little bit differently. Right. And as characters fail these steps of the trial, you could even have the Furbolgs kind of give them a punishment. They're still able to continue, but like maybe a Furbolg from beyond the green tunnel keeps casting hallucinatory terrain on one of the characters mm. so they're seeing things that aren't there they need their party's help to go through because they've acted selfishly right really we want our players to gain a new perspective and you know this could provide a lot of really cool opportunities to 
play with the different values of the party and test and push back against some of the behaviors in some areas of the party or the the cleric and having them question is the way that we've been doing things within my you know sect is that really the best way because i've seen this community of furbolds like there's so much there that the party can gain once they get into these furbold communities that it is totally worth exploring yeah like how is the rogue lone wolf rogue that wants to do everything his own way yeah all of a sudden has to contend with this community that's exactly the opposite of them and the level of punishment that somebody would endure whether it's from poison smoothies or you know just all kinds of things that we've discussed it really puts a party through the ringer and i want to go on an adventure to seek out a fearbold community and gain the kind of blessings that one would get once you get there right and i really like the idea of once you make it and you talk to them and you've proven yourself they just go to that same tree and they know that there's one fruit that's you know, a ninth level healing spell. Right. Hey, here it is. <laughs> there you go. Who's there the whole time? <laughs> and I think the next time I go to play a Firbolg character, I can incorporate a lot of these ideas into my everyday role play to, you know, reference some of these kind of endeavors or to bring some of these ideas to the party's planning for the next time we go into a dungeon you know, can we do this? Can we coax a shambling mound along? Can we do any of these things and incorporate any of these kind of, you know, less combat forward approaches? Yeah. These clever ways of living that are not combat centric, but are just one with the environment. I think it'd be really cool too to play with how your furbled character might expect the rest of the party to act right it's like okay we're all on the same page obviously we're all helping and contributing and when somebody does something that's out of that expected character that's really going to mess with your furbolg yeah and we just need to go back to those values to determine in any given scenario how does our furbolg react to the kind of challenges that are being presented to our party and if you don't want to you know have your furbolg character be some kind of an outcast I definitely think that these communities still have enough that they think they can learn from the world that they're sending out individuals. Right. Bring back knowledge and that kind of stuff. Go join an adventuring party. <laughs> yeah. Maybe make them a little bit more moral and humble and nice <laughs> and kind. Bring our ways to the world. Well, with that, I think that's lots to build off of for a furball community and culture. But wait, there's more. Oh, absolutely. There is the real source of inspiration for Firbolgs. Right. They are, in fact, not giants that live in the forests. So let's explore that in Grandma B's schoolhouse. Folks come here to Grandma B's schoolhouse to gain knowledge and apply the history of their realm. So I'm pretty much just going to let you run rampant on this one because you, <laughs> again, went into a mega deep dive. And so I'm just going to kick my feet up and let you go. Sure. Story time for Travis. Know, though, that if you get too wild and weird with this, I have editing power. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fine. All right. Entertain me. 
Okay, so first we have to discuss where they came from, the Firbolgs. So the Firbolg are the third of six groups that settled Ireland, according to the Labor Gabala Erin, known in English as the Book of Invasions, which details out the history of Ireland from the creation of the world through to the Middle Ages, and it's told in the form of poems and prose. As they all were, Iceland too, Yeah, just has so many stories that like some are real historical accounts and others are fairy tales literally about giants walking the earth yeah so who knows what's true giants are real is your point right giants are real <laughs> and the book of invasions <laughs> is probably a pretty exciting read yeah so then you got the second group like i said the furbolgs are the third but the second group was called the nemedians and they had a pretty good time for a while then the fomorians showed up so that's another creature D&D borrowed from this mythology. Yeah, I was going to say, these are all D&D <laughs> and or Conan yeah, cultures. Right. Like, I have little uh, bells going off in the back of my dome. About the Nemedians? Yeah. Yeah. So in this mythology, the Fomorians were really powerful supernatural beings. They represented the destructive powers of nature, chaos, and darkness. Wow. So two Fomorians post up in a huge fortresses and they're causing magical mayhem. They hassled the Nemedians pretty hard, making them sacrifice two-thirds of their kids every year, along with some crops and milk. What a hassle. <laughs> Jesus, it's an understatement. Let's <laughs> see your kids, please. So eventually, this pisses off the Nemedians enough that they launch an attack. 60,000 Nemedians strong. That's enough to take down one Fomorian, but that sends the other one supernova, and this Fomorian starts smashing their ships on the rocks, being a real downer, <laughs> and forcing the Nemedians to flee the land. Wow. So the Nemedians split up into three groups. One went to the farthest northern lands, becoming the Twath Day, tribe of the gods, who they're going to factor in in just a moment. One of them went to Greece and became the Firbolg. And the Greeks gave them the bare minimum to live on. They show up, the Greeks are like, hey, have these cold, rough stretches and rugged rocks to farm. They're on inhospitable heights and deep ravines, broken land, and generally just ground unfit for cultivation. So they gave them all the shit land. Yeah. But the Firbolg move huge amounts of soil bag by bag. The name Firbolg literally means men of bags, which helps them transform this barren land into fertile fields. Then the Greeks came to see how they're doing. They saw these nice lands, kicked them off of that, even into the worst lands again. They say, how wow, you made they? this pretty nice. <laughs> We want it. It's ours. Yeah, scram. We shouldn't have given it to you in the first place. <laughs> so they do this again to their new shitty land. And this time they build some ships while they're at it so they can take off when the Greeks come to bully them out. I'm starting to see where they got the peace trait. <laughs> Just the like hiding in the forest. Let's not kick the ever living shit out of the Greeks for trying to kick us out yet again. Let's just build some boats so we can GTFO. <laughs> yeah, let's peace. But they didn't have a lot of good wood to build their ships, so they built them from the bags that they carried the dirt in. And before they left, they did get a little revenge. They laid waste to the surrounding area, bringing revenge and destruction to the Greeks that treated them so poorly. Then, 200 years after landing on those Greek shores, they sail back to Ireland into their bag boats. They break it into five provinces, and they rip through nine kings in the next 37 years. The last king was pretty popular because he took over from his predecessor, Fodgbin... The Despoiler. Now that is a name. If a character doesn't get named Fogben, 
the despoiler, I'm going to be so disappointed. Yeah, pretty pretty metal. And the legend says that before his time, there were no knots in trees. So he despoiled the trees with knots? Okay, gave yeah. little lumps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the very last king here that we're talking about is Eokad Mak... I don't know how to pronounce these names. <laughs> You're doing your darndest, and that's yeah, all we I'm can trying. expect of you. Uh, so this king's legend was that no rain fell during his rule, only dew, and there was a harvest every year. I really don't understand how this is the king's doing. <laughs> Shut up and let the king rule. <laughs> okay. He just takes credit for it. Nice. Good job, farmers. Yeah. This was my doing, though. <laughs> so this is where it gets really cool. The defining battle of the Firbolg. So this King Eokade has a foreboding dream where 3,000 crows came into their lands in violence. Soon after, 3,000 ships of the Tuath Day show up looking for land. This is that original group that went up north. Right. So Eokade sends out his champion, Sreng, to parlay. And this is from the legends. Thereupon Sreng rose and took his strong, hooked, reddish-brown shield, his two thick-shafted javelins, his death-dealing sword his fine four-cornered helmet, and his heavy iron club, and went on his way to the Hill of Rain. Now that's metal. <laughs> he peacefully parlayed, but kings gotta be kings, so they fought over Ireland. Of course. Yeah. So once battle started, Sreng brought down 150 warriors before meeting the opposing king, Nuwada, in battle. It was pretty epic. This is where I really hope the Firbolgs come into their own and start kicking the living shit out of everyone. Well, here's a bit of a description from that battle. Each dealt dire blows of doom, making great gory wounds on the flesh of the other, till under their grooved blades, shields, and spears, heads and helmets broke like the brittle branches hacked with hatchets wielded by the stout arms of woodsmen. Heavily the earth was trodden under their feet, till the hard turf grew soft beneath them. Each of them inflicted 30 wounds on the other. Sreng dealt a blow with his sword at Nuwada, and cutting away the rim of his shield, severed his right arm at the shoulder, and the king's arm with a third of his shield fell to the ground. It was then that the high king called aloud for help. I am gonna have to find some royalty-free metal music <laughs> to go underneath that. Yeah. Editor's note, let's hope I was able to do that. <laughs> this is where metal songs come from, right? Yes. This battle. Yes. Like, seriously. That becomes the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. And so this king lost his arm, which is apparently a pretty big deal, as the Twath Day have some pretty strict rules about what body parts you need to be king. Uh, that is so ripe for a joke. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch it. Thanks. Thanks for controlling yourself. And so in the end of this fight, unfortunately, Morgan, the Phantom Queen, defeats King Eokade in battle. The Twath Day clean up pretty good, but the final meeting was again between Sreng and King Nuwada. Sreng challenged him again, to which Nuwada replied, If single combat on fair terms be what you seek, fasten your right hand as I have lost mine, only so our combat can be fair. And Sreng pitched back, If you have lost your hand, that lays me under no obligations. For our first combat was on fair terms. Nice. <laughs> Up yours. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Get out of here. So Nuada <laughs> smartly turned down the challenge and left Sreng and the rest of the Firbolg, a quarter of Ireland, with the province of Connacht. So he was the hero of this story. Kings be damned. Sreng is one hell of a warrior. 
Well, that's super dope. I love this story. I can see some elements that I want to incorporate into my next Firbolg character. Right? And I don't know. There's something about just knowing where they come from that helps me a bit with making that kind of a character. Well, and that general vibe of like, nah, I really don't want to fight. Eh, I really don't want to fight. All right, if you want to fight, I'm going to mash you yeah. into tiny little pieces. Like, I'm going to keep dodging, but if you come at me, I'm going to bring it to and the max. And then all that bullshit about, I lost my arm, so <laughs> it's like, no, no, you came at me. Yeah. So I, I don't have to play by your stupid <laughs> rules, you double-talking little worm. You approach me for a second fight, and you're going to demand <laughs> that I hinder myself? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, speaking of kings and warriors and absolute badasses... Thank you so much for the help with this episode. Our wonderful patrons that joined us for a couple of different sessions that we had on our Discord, in our patron-only Discord hangouts, where we were generating a lot of these ideas that you saw yeah. in this episode, that you heard. So thank you very much to Dangerous Marmalade, Leprechaun, Mycofish, and No Ma'am. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. It always makes the episodes better when we get to sit down with some of you folks and hash these ideas out. Thank you so much to our newest patron who joined us recently, Kirk T. And to all the rest who we appreciate just as much, Ninja Ducky, Sue Art, Blackthorn, First Law, Peacock Dreams, DM Thunderbum, Marley R, Gar the Pirate, Time Warp, Dangerous Marmalade, Zach G, No Ma'am, Michelle T, Adlerius, Chris F, the Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. GM Tim. Nevermore. Thomas W. DM Natsuki. Heavy Arms. Aldros. Leprechaun. And Will HP. Thank you all so much. And thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join an excellent and awesome community of players and DMs getting bigger every day uh, that discuss their games, get cool ideas. Help it's each other yeah. grow and become better GMs all round. And maybe even people. Easy. <laughs> all right, but definitely GMs. And that's all on our Discord, so go and check that out. You can find the link at hookandchance.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening. And, and every now and games. then, let us answer the forest's call. Come see life's beauty. Shut up, hippie! <laughs>